Welcome to the seventh episode of the Walk On Podcast. Uh, today we have Ernie Myers, former NC State basketball player. Ernie, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Hanging in there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So how have, how have you been dealing with this uh, the virus going on? What have you been doing during quarantine? Well, I've been trying to work. Really, I've been trying to stay away from the virus. Actually, I've been basically kind of home and, you know, um, working from home and, uh, I'm not a young buck anymore. So <laughs> I'm not out and about like that. I just come home with the wife and my daughter and, you know, try to stay away from crowds. Yeah. Smart. Similarly to that, what have you been doing since your basketball career ended? Okay. Well, I've, I've been in sales for a long time, for over 30 years now. Um, different corporations. I was a pharmaceutical rep right now, and uh, and I'm a partner in this company called the Motor Vehicle Network right now. Um, if you ever been to a DMV and you see these TV screens up in these DMVs where you get your driver's license or whatever, uh, we put TVs up and they on people while they wait. So I'm in, I'm in the advertising business right now. Nice, nice, nice. This is kind of getting into your earlier on in your life. Um, you grew up in Harlem in the late seventies, early eighties. What was uh, it like growing up and, and playing basketball in that environment? Well, it was kind of uh, get- kind of crazy. I mean, it was kind of dangerous back then in Harlem those days. But uh, you know, a lot of kids played street ball um, all day long. You didn't really have nothing else to do with play basketball so we played and some guys got you know some guys were really good and some guys really weren't and you know I would just go out every day and practice and play and you know and uh growing up in those times it was kind of rough it was kind of dangerous in Harlem but um it's changed a lot over the years but uh you know I just grew up in a you know a crazy environment but um Basketball saved me. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> awesome. So, growing up in Harlem, did you ever get the chance to play at Rucker Park? And if so, what significance did that place, that park, have on you? Well, yeah, I did. Um, uh, I played up there. I used to go up and watch uh, guys like Tiny Archibald and Dr. J and all those guys play when I was a young kid. My dad used to take me up to uh, Rucker Park. And then I, uh, you know, when I left college and I played overseas and I came back, I would play up in the Rucker, you know, against, uh, you know, pros or, you know, in tournaments or semi-pro tournaments. So, yeah, it was uh, it's sort of like hollowed ground for basketball in, uh, in New York City. Now people come from all over the world, you know, to, to visit the Rucker Park. You know, it's... Uh, you know, it has a uh, a huge following now, and and it kind of shaped the way I played basketball. I watched the older guys play when I was younger, and I wanted to be like them. So I was like, I'll go to the park. There was crowds all around, people in the stands in the trees. So I was like, man, they came all all these people came here to watch these guys. I want to grow up to be one like one of these guys, you know. And and it happened for me, so it was great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. So, in in high school, you were one of the top recruits in the country. 
uh-huh. um, and you got to play in the McDonald's All American game. I'm sure it's a lot, a much different experience nowadays. But uh, for you, at least, what what was that experience like? It, it was an unbelievable experience. It was something that I, I dreamt about, you know, in high school because I used to see guys, you know, they would have their pictures in these Ebony magazines, and you know, you wanted to be, uh, you know, one of those guys. You wanted to be one of the top players in the country. You know, they called it the dream team before it was a dream team. Before the NBA called that team a dream team, the McDonald's All-American game was called the dream team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, practice hard work, the average 30 points a game in high school. And, you know, I was one of the top. When I when they called my name or my high school coach came and told me that I made the game, it was unbelievable. You know, I was, I was one of the top five players in high school coming out of high school that year. And uh, 82, 81, 82. So it was an unbelievable experience. They picked you up in a limo from the hotel. They brought you and your, you know, your, your high school coach along. They, the game when I played was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, that's, uh, that's where, that's where that's we, where we are. are right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we played in Chicago. And, uh, you know, they took us to McDonald's, you know, the headquarters. You know, yeah. uh, took us to Ebony Magazine. You know, all the players, I played with guys like Johnny Dawkins, and, uh, uh, a guy by the name of Ephraim Winters, who was a... Illinois, yeah. Yeah, went to, went to, yeah, went to Illinois, uh, Brad Doherty, uh, mm. Buck Johnson, um, you know, we had, a, we, had a, we had a nice class, we had a nice class that year, but it was uh, really competitive. You know, the practices were... Unbelievable, you know, because we practiced against, um, you know, some of the best players in the country from all around the country. On the, you know, I was on the East squad, and it was, uh, it was an unbelievable experience. You know, they gave you rings, jackets, watches, sneakers. You know, I mean, it, and if, if it's, if, I'm sure it's a lot different now, but back then I just thought I was, you know, I was one of the top players in the country, and I've never been picked up at an airport in a limousine and driven to a hotel. <laughs> So, I mean, it was just, they treated you like a like a superstar. That's awesome. I imagine that was not the last time you were seeing Johnny Dawkins there on the basketball court. You had to match up with him in the ACC there for a few years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I played against him all four years. You know, he, you know, he didn't go hard. We played all against each other all four years. And, you know, I had some of my best games against Duke. <laughs> that so, obviously, being a... One of the top recruits in the country, you could really pick and choose where you wanted to go to college. Why did you choose NC State, both as a basketball program and a university, to shape up your after basketball life? Well, I, I um, Coach V was the main reason. Coach Valvano. I mean, he uh, we had a little history. Um, his high school coach, my, my high school coach, his father. Jimmy V's father coached my high school coach at my high school. Mm-hmm. So, so small, my small world. See Jimmy V running around as a little snotty nosed kid in the gym <laughs> by his father. His father's name was Rocco Valmano. So, um, but Coach V was recruiting some. Coach V was out of Iona at the time when I was in high school for my first two years, and then he left and went to NC State. But before he went to Iona. <clears throat> He recruited some players on my team for Iona, my high school team. 
So um, I had a great game as a sophomore and uh, against one of my high school rival teams, Rice High School. And uh, Coach V came running into the locker room after me at, after the game. I was just a sophomore. I didn't know if I could play back then. I didn't know if I could play college bas- basketball at all. So I, uh, I was kind of impressed that a college coach would follow me in the locker room after the game and say, he said, in two years, I'll be back to get you. So he was at Iona at the time. So, um, you know, hence two years later, I'm one of the top players in the country. And I got coaches lined up, you know, to see me. You know, I had over, I could have went anywhere. I had 200 scholarship offers. Um, but we winded, it, we winded down to probably like 20 schools or whatever. And he was the first guy that I saw. You know, on the list. You know, he was the first guy. My coach, you know, let him be the first guy. And he was like, Ernie, remember two years ago when I told you I'll be back to get you? I knew before all these guys. You know, he was a funny guy. You know, he was still. He said, I, two years ago, I ran after you in the locker room. I told you I'll be back to get you in two years. Now I'm at NC State. So I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I was a big David Thompson fan. And David Thompson, Skywalker, the original Skywalker, went to NC State. And then I had family that lived in North and South Carolina on top of that. And, you know, NC State is one of the top schools in the country um, academically as well. So, you know, he sold me on, you know, uh, he was only at NC State for, you know, three years, you know, at that time. <laughs> and um, he told me that, hey, if you play hard, you can play. And, uh, and that was it. I just... Uh, you know, I love Coach V. He was, you know, he, he was a New Yorker, you know, and he was like, hey, we can go down south and win a national championship. And I said, oh, okay. I, I, you know, I, I love winning because every year in high school, I won a championship. Every year from my freshman year to my senior year, we won the state championship, city championship every year. So uh, he, you know, he had a veteran team, um, three seniors, Sidney Lowe, Thurl Bailey, and... Uh, Derek Wittenberg and I said to myself I said hey I can go to a school and be and lose a lot and be the man or I can go to a school and and win and be a part of a good team Hmm. I chose to be a part of a good team you know so you know unlike Johnny Dawkins who went to Duke and had to struggle and after years and years and years and years and years and he got to the final game as a senior, I won a national championship as a freshman, <laughs> you know, and average double figures as a freshman on a, on a national championship team. Doesn't get better than that. No, no, you you know, you, I won in high school every year. Then my first year in college, I won an ACC championship and a national championship. So I was on a roll. <laughs> um, so you mentioned uh, in high school, you you were very successful. Obviously, that the New York High School Basketball League is very competitive, especially um, when you were growing up. What was playing? What was playing in that league like? And do you think it helps you in for college compared to playing in the uh, a weaker conference or league? Oh well, the um, the cap. I went to a Catholic school, Talentine, and uh, right. Yeah, we were we were one of the top teams in the country, mm-hmm. and our league was tough. 
But not only did I play in high school, I played for uh, an AAU team called Riverside Church. It's one of the top AAU programs in the country. So in the summer, I would travel around the country playing against some of the top talent in the country on the right. AAU circuit. So that helped me a lot as well. But it was very competitive in high school. I mean, you know, it, we had players that went to college and, you know, we had, I played against Mario Ellie, who played for the Houston Rockets. I played, I played against Chris Mullins, who played, he was in our league. Um, you know, uh, you know, we had a lot of players back then. Um, and even we played outside our league. I played against guys like Walter Berry, you know, Kenny Smith, he played in, a, mm. in our league, uh, high school league. So it was, it was very, it was very competitive. Yeah. You mentioned that Jimmy V was one of the major factors of you going to NC State. Once you got there, what was it like to play for him? Oh man, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, he he was a comedian. He was a comedian coach, but he treated you like a man. You know, he, we didn't have any curfews. He wasn't he didn't check your bed. He didn't do anything like that. But if you weren't ready to play, you you know you had to be ready to play because if you wasn't if you wasn't ready to play. Somebody else would be playing in your spot. <laughs> you know, he, he treats you like a man. He, you know, he, he loved to win. He was very intense. And he, if you ever saw that Jimmy V speech on ESPN, uh, I heard stuff like that all the time. Very inspirational, very, you know, he'll, you'll run, he'll have you running through a brick wall to play for him. You know, and, and he wanted to win. He played to win all the time. You know, you know. I can't even. Uh, I don't think there was a game in college where we got blown out. Maybe once, and after that, it was you know, <laughs> practice was ridiculous. I mean, he <laughs> and he was a good guy, somebody you can talk to, and you know, and and that type of guy. You know what I mean? So he was a good coach. Um, I enjoyed playing for him. Um, uh, I learned a lot from him. You know, and. Uh, you know, in you know, in life, you know, never giving up, and I mean, if you heard those speeches, you know, if you heard, you know, don't give up, don't ever give up. Yep, I've heard that all the time. My, my, I, I hear that all the time. I, I've watched that speech multiple times. It's a great speech. Mm-hmm. So obviously, North Carolina is known to be a great college basketball state. What was the arena and atmosphere like during those rival rivalry games, whether it be Duke, North Carolina, Wake Forest? Oh, those games were unbelievable because back then, you know, I played against Michael Jordan. I played against, uh, you know, uh, Mark Price, John, like you said, Johnny Dawkins, Len Bias. I mean, the league was stacked. Ralph Sampson. I mean, some great players in the conference. And guys stayed for four years. So every year, you knew who was coming back. You know what I mean? So you you had to work out and play hard, and, you know, every game was a battle. You know, because you played, you, played you played each team. There was only eight teams in the conference. So you played everybody twice, and if you, you went to the uh, ACC tournament, you might play them three times in one year. You know, so um, it was very competitive. Uh, we had a great out, outside conference schedule. We played some of the top teams in, in, in the country. We played Kentucky, Louisville. Um, back then, um, you know, the talent, the 80s basketball in the ACC, Mike Krzyzewski said it was the best 
ever. You know, because guys, you know, there were no one and dones back then. You know, guys usually stayed to their junior or senior years. And it was just unbelievable um, um, com- competition. If you was a if you were a competition freak or whatever, every game you stepped on the court, you had to prove yourself. Okay. You know, and it was an unbelievable environment to play in. You know, the, every every gym you went in was packed. You know, I mean, national TV games. It was just unbelievable. You were like a pro down here because it wasn't any pro teams down here. There wasn't any Charlotte Hornets or. You know, the closest team that was in the NBA uh, south here was uh, uh, the Washington Bullets. Mm. I mean, the Washington Wizards. They were called the Washington Bullets back then. But, um, you know, they weren't any NBA. College was, you were like a superstar, even if you didn't play. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you were on a team, if you were on NC State or you were on North Carolina or Duke, or people would see you in the street and stop you and, you know, ask you for your autograph, take you know, there were no there were no cell phones, so it was autographs. Nobody had nobody took pictures and all that kind of stuff like they do today. But um, you can go, you can walk into anywhere, and a restaurant they'll you know give you free food. It was just crazy. <laughs> it was an unbelievable experience. Yeah, so you mentioned playing some of these against the likes of some of these guys like Michael Jordan, Ralph Sampson, Len Bias. Obviously, later in, in your freshman year, you ran into Houston National Championship with Hakeem and Clyde Drexler. Uh-huh. But who was the, for you, the toughest player to guard or score against? Uh, back then, it was Len Bias. Mm. I mean, even though Michael Jordan became one of the greatest players ever, Len Bias was a tough, he was two time player of the year in the ACC. He was 6'7, six, 6'8. He, he, had, he was unbelievably gifted athletically. He was a hard to guard. I, I usually guarded uh, when I played. I was They usually put me on the top scorer, you know, on each, any team, you, you know. And having to guard that guy was tough. You know, I played against Kenny Walker at Kentucky. And, you know, um, back then he was one of the top players in the country. But I, I always had to play the top player. You know, Michael Jordan was great. Don't get me wrong. He was unbelievable, too, in college. But I, I have to give it to Lynn Bias. <laughs> um, so the highlight of your career is obviously that national championship. Um, what was your favorite, favorite memory from your freshman year um, besides the Lorenzo Charles game winner? Well... You know, I started a lot my freshman year because a guy by the name of Derek Wittenberg got hurt. Yeah. And I led the team in scoring as a freshman coming out of high school. I was averaging like 17 points a game uh, for the Wolfpack as a freshman that year. And then he came back. And, and the dynamic changed. But that freshman year, um, I had a 35-point game against Duke. And that record held up for almost 25, 30 years. Um, I think, uh, uh, I'm forgetting the guy's name. He played at North Carolina as a freshman. He scored 40 against Clemson and and eclipsed my record. But that game, 
at Reynolds Coliseum was just unbelievable against Duke. I had a, I had, a, I had an all-time game as a freshman, and um, and I think that game kind of spearheaded that we won a losing streak, and we lost like two games in a row, and that game kind of put us back on the map. And after that, we won like I don't know how many games in a row. You know, after that, I mean, it was just unbelievable. You know, we went. We were 17 and 10, and we didn't lose another game. Hmm. So we won 10 or 11 games straight. That's the ACC tournament and six games in the, in the NCAA. What about the tournament run stood out the most to you in those six games, or I guess the ACC tournament as well? Well, the first game stood out the most because we almost lost. Uh, right, I, I I remember from the yeah, thirty for thirty. The yeah, yeah, the yeah, bench was. Yeah, that Pepperdine. Yeah. They were very happy and <laughs> win, and our bench looked so sad. You know, Sydney Low fouled out, and we just thought we were going to lose that game. We were, we were just like, oh man, we you know we flew all the way out here to Corvallis, Oregon, and. You know, won the ACC tournament. Now we're gonna lose to Pepperdine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we, uh, Coach V, Coach V, uh, just coached a great game and got us back into it. And you know, uh, Cozell McQueen had a little tip in, and you know, George McLean came in, one of my my, my roommate, and you know, had a nice little fast break run, and we got back in the game and won in double overtime. Yeah, and then the, he, that he, came right there was the start of the cardiac pack, they called us, because we, we had a couple of games like that where we were down and we came back and we wound up winning, and, you know, it was just unbelievable. I remember the uh, the, the fouling, too. That was something that a lot of teams didn't really do at the time. but Yeah, we would foul it. We would foul if the game was tied. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. <laughs> you know <laughs> we'll put somebody in the line because he knew that, hey, those are some tough free throws. A lot of pressure on a guy if you ain't used to it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we would, the game was tied and we foul somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? And put him on the line and get the ball back and come down and, and score. It was just he, he was unbelievable, man. I, he, 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 Coach V used to have what the Italians call us some cojones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he coached the, he, he coached the win, man. He, he wasn't taking any uh, he wasn't taking any prisoners. <laughs> so you would look at each other like you want us to you want us to follow him, <laughs> Coach, follow him. You know, like I, okay, you know, <laughs> we put this guy on the line. You know, and some of the guys were great free throw shooters. Like the guy against uh, we played against UNLV, the guy shot eighty nine percent from the free throw line. He's one of the top free throw shooters in the country. We fouled him twice. He missed both the free throws. I mean, yeah. It was just crazy. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> so after your college career ended, you moved on to overseas basketball. What element or new style did you add to your game from a whole new experience of basketball? Well, when you play overseas, it's just a whole different, you know, back then they didn't have, you know, the the competition overseas wasn't like it was in, in the States. So, you know, I went overseas and I played like two years and I, I scored a lot of points, but I I was like homesick. I was in Innsbruck, Austria. It was cold. You know, you 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 know, you went on buses everywhere. 
you know, and I just felt like, hey, I know I could do something else. I mean, I love basketball, but it was, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a be all and end all for me, you know. So, um, you know, I just chalked it up, and you know, I got my degree when I was in school, you know, college. So I just was like, I had fun while it lasted. And I just went into the business world. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely an upside of going to a prestigious institution and staying off four years. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of guys didn't graduate. A lot of guys, they just played four years of basketball in college. You know, and they didn't leave with anything. And I didn't want to be one of those guys. You know, I didn't want to be a guy who just went to school and played basketball and, 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 and didn't get an education while I was there. You know, because it was easy for guys, you know, not to go to class or, you know, not to do the right thing. And um, I just didn't want to come back home. And all I could say was I played for NC State. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jumping to that, that 30 for 30, when when watching it, somebody who watched it not knowing, I knew about the history of it, but obviously not knowing some of the, the dynamic of that team. It looked like you guys almost were having like a little reunion there. It looked like you guys were having a great time. What was – the production of that like and just walk us through the whole oh yeah it was you know Derek Wittenberg um you know got everybody together you know because it was from his perspective you know mm-hmm. his perspective and um you know um we all got together and we met up and in this restaurant here in Raleigh and you know we all kept in touch anyway you know we all you know we all mm-hmm. we would all keep in touch with each other anyway we right. got eat and so and we talked a lot of crap, so we got together, and it was just, we forgot the cameras were there. You know, it was bright cameras, there, but we, once we started talking, it was like back in old times. We just, you know, we just had a good time. And if you watch the 30 for 30, you probably could feel that, like, these guys are talking like the camera's not even there. Right. Yeah. You know, they just, they're just a bunch of guys eating dinner and having fun. You know, and that's just the way it felt. You know, I mean, the production was great. Um, you know, uh, the only thing I miss about it, Lorenzo Charles couldn't have been a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had passed away in that bus accident. He was, a, you know, a great friend of mine, like a brother. Um, but uh, we had a ball making that. We had fun. Um, you know, and, and when I watched it, you know, the whole thing, it was just like, wow, it just took me back. You know, it just took me back, you know, seeing Coach you know, those games and what we did and how we did it and, you know, and and the way we did it. And sometimes you look back at the games and I'm like, man, did we really win that game? You know what I mean? I, I, know, I know I got a ring, you know. <laughs> you know, some of those games you look at, even that you played it and you look back and you're like, man, I know we, I know we won the championship, so we had to win that game. But, it, you know, you look back and you say, man, that, that was crazy. You know I mean? That was, uh, Coach V always said that, winning the national championship is going to mean more to you when you get older than it does right now. You know, than when we did it. Mm -hmm. He said, you will appreciate it more when you're, when, you know, years from now. And he was absolutely right. You know, because when I go to, you know, the NCAA tournament or, you know, um, we have one of the all-time games in the history of basketball and college basketball. So wherever we go, and I go in any arena when they have an NCAA national championship game, they have a ring 
around the arena of all the teams that won throughout yeah. the years. And you can look up and say, that's that's our team. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're part of basketball history, you know? Uh, so uh, it was an unbelievable ride. You know, unbelievable. Do you think that the whole, like, survive and advance mantra that you guys had and the kind of coming, escaping that narrow defeat there in the first round against Pepperdine, do you think that that whole tournament run and with with Jimmy V's speech and being fired, do you think that that whole tournament run from your team kind of changed the way that people view March Madness or the experience? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, because it wasn't March Madness until we won it wasn't called March Madness. It was called the Final Four. <laughs> so um, we put the madness in March. You know, I tell people that all the time. And before us, it was it was just the Final Four, and whoever whoever was supposed to win, they won. <laughs> you know, you never had a team come from you know you know a seventeen and ten team come into the tournament and win the whole thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it was unheard of. I mean, we we made it. We made people watch. You know, we were the first Destiny's Darlings. You know, then there were teams after us like Villanova against Georgetown, and you know, everybody's rooting for the underdog now. You know, what I mean, and after us, everybody was rooting for the team that was supposed to win. You know, Houston was supposed to win. Yeah. You know, what I mean, but now the whole people watch the tournament to see the upsets. You know, what I mean. So our team, I think, put the madness in March. They start calling it March Madness after we won the national championship that year. Now, this is a question that I always ask all our guests. In your in the town of Raleigh, North Carolina, home of your alma mater, uh-huh. if I was walking down the street and I were to bump into you and I would ask you for a restaurant recommendation, what restaurant would you direct me to? <laughs> Probably uh, direct you to the Angus Barn. Barn. The Angus is a great restaurant. It's been here for over. They just had a 40-year anniversary. Wow. I know there's a Jimmy V's restaurant here, uh, a couple of them, but I would say I would direct you to the Angus Barn in Raleigh. It's not too far from the airport. Beautiful restaurant. Great food. You know, it's, it's kind of hoity-toity. It's kind of a little expensive, but the food is great. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Myers. It was an honor to hear your stories and what you've gone through your whole basketball career. I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all guys having me. And uh, thanks a lot. And uh, it was fun. Yep. Yeah. Thank we you. Enjoyed really too. enjoyed it. All right. Have a good one. Stay safe. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. And that was Ernie Myers. Star freshman of the 1983 NC State Survive and Advance Cardiac Pack basketball team. And it was really interesting to hear some of the dynamic of that team. And I really thought it was cool that he thinks that uh, without that Cardiac Pack team, March Madness isn't the same today. And I think he's right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they were like... Um, he mentioned this, I guess. I don't want to state the obvious, but they were they were like you know the first kind of Cinderella team that I can I can think of, um, except for maybe Texas Western. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a fair point. I forgot about them, but I mean, 
you look at it like that kind of team has its own almost almost its own aura in a sense just because uh you know coach valvano is such a, a character and you know the 30 for 30 made on them was you know one of my favorites and i think that that team is there's something about them that you don't really get to see too often and it's interesting to hear from someone who was on the inside you know yeah not some guy from the outside telling stories for sure and it's also cool to see the changes made from 1980s basketball to now especially with the experiences of the mcdonald's all-american game and growing up in the bronx during such a talent-filled area as well as how the ncaa state team kind of put the madness in march as he alluded to kind of changing it from the final four to the whole 16 16 game Sweet 16, like the whole tournament being more so the entertaining part of March Madness. So that was cool to see. Yeah. I remember some snippets from that 30 for 30 that were pretty interesting that we didn't get to. They were talking about the weird hotel in Corvallis, Oregon, or how they had why they had to fly out to Corvallis, Oregon to play play in a region with all West Coast teams. (laughs) It was... uh, but yeah, definitely yeah. it was cool to have a member of that team on and and not just a token member, but a, a major contributor in Ernie yeah. Myers. You know, he led yeah. the team in scoring as a freshman. While That's pretty he, incredible. He started when when uh, Derek Wittenberg got hurt. And I mean, but a major contributor, you heard him, uh, he was always placed on the other team's best scorer. So he was obviously a lockdown defender and yeah, you know, it was just a great interview, especially because we've had all these guests on who have played in their college career within the last seven, eight years at most. But now to get a yeah. guy who's in the '80s is just awesome to get the different, older perspective, but still just fantastic. Yeah. I, I was thinking that, and it's it's you know, he was kind of a star coming out of high school, so it's not yeah, like he's a top five player in the country. Exactly. So he he kind of dealt with the fame early on and yeah. had a really good college career. And it's you know, yeah, yeah. Then no, got to ex- no, no, no disrespect in, in any way to anyone else we have, but you know they hadn't been as highly rated as he was. So it was nope. good to be good to get that kind of perspective. Yeah, it was definitely. And he got to go up in the ACC against the likes of Michael Jordan, Len Bias, and Ralph Sampson. So he had some some good battles. Join us next time for our eighth episode of the Walk On Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.